This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I know last week was a little bit of a change as I did a solo Top 5. I never want to do that again. Um, I am, What I'm trying to say is that I am very, very happy my co-host with me today. I'm Tia, and this is my amazing co-host, Brittany. How are you doing? Surprise, I'm hopping off here. You're gonna have to do it alone again. Bye. <laughs> Don't oh, you dare. I can tell you only get five minutes here. Just enough for like a like a to give you motivation. <laughs> I will come to your house. <laughs> I would say with the subject of today, I feel like I would end up on this top ten, except I would be the death. <laughs> Brittany is talking about that we are doing the top 10 most gruesome characters. It's Halloween season, and though COVID probably would be the number one on this list, we are still in the Halloween mood, and we are still celebrating it. So what better than to celebrate the most gruesome characters in both TV and movies? Now, I want to say that at least for my list, I include gruesome not so much in strictly just a horror fashion, even though I certainly have those. But to me, characters who I just feel um, send a quiver through your spine. That's pretty freaking terrifying. Now, you've inspired me about the TV show. I was like, huh, who's pretty gruesome? And I went, yeah, (laughs) yeah, there's a few. There's a couple. Well, whereas you really haven't been watching TV, all I've been doing is watching TV considering movies aren't a thing anymore. <laughs> movies never heard of them. <laughs> 2020 <laughs> movies went extinct. So <laughs> Oh man, let the truth. It's pretty depressing, but hey, at least uh at least uh I was gonna say Netflix, but Netflix has been in hot water over the cuties thing, so I don't know. I don't know how their uh, original series have been going, but I know I've been watching a lot of YouTube and there's a lot of T V shows that just get filtered in there. Well, I'll say several things to those points, right? Netflix is certainly in hot water not only for that, but the fact that they've been canceling a thousand shows that were previously renewed. Like, I don't watch Glow, but A, I know how much people love that series, and it had previously been renewed for a fourth season. And then suddenly Netflix was like, oh, due to COVID and production, blah, 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 we're just canceling Glow. And people are pissed because they're like, you said that we were going to get a fourth and final season. You know, it's been prepared to end the show. Everything's been written, right? The the actors are all ready, and then you cancel it. And I'm like, you know, I don't even watch this show, and I feel bad for 
the fans. Like, I think I saw during New York Comic Con, the cast of Glow all got together to kind of be like, give us our freaking fourth season, Netflix. And it's like, we all know Netflix don't give an F because of what they did with, um, you know, with the Marvel Netflix universe. And they are not giving two Fs about this whole cuties thing. They just got indicted by, like, a... Yeah, they they got indicted, and Netflix is still standing. And I'm like, is this really the cross you want to be on right now? (laughs) Like, is this really the cross you want to be on? Because I have not watched Cuties. Um, I have no intention of watching Cuties. But I've seen plenty of videos where people describe clips, and I've seen the trailers. And I'm just like, Netflix, I really question your... uh, your decision-making process here. Just like, since we're on this note, and since since it's pretty awful, I feel like it goes into our Halloween theme. There, there was a, a guy I was watching, kind of like Deaf Noodles, where, uh, you know, they're a commentary channel, and there was a guy that was, uh, that was actually for the Cuties movie, and he's like, yeah. you're talking about, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Deaf Noodles did a segment on him. I know they, exactly. They do one? Okay, I couldn't remember if it was him or if I watched somebody else, but you know, they do a lot of the same, no knock on them, just it's like news. The guy that's like, yeah, they do a real good job at making you sexually attracted to these children, and you're like, yeah, yes. He was like, feel or say, but that's something you definitely don't record and put on the internet. He was like, Cuties is the type of movie that, A, makes you think, like, this is wrong, and then, B, these kids are hot. And I was like, you you don't say that. And you don't, like, that's my He really thing, said is, that was his whole chest. And that was his whole chest. And it's like, you had to edit that and put it out on the internet. Like, you had time to reevaluate putting that publicly. And he was just like, I'm going to die on this rock right now. But, yeah, um, this uh, <laughs> this podcast is not about cuties. Do not watch it. Do not support it. I know that is very strong to say, but um, I'm sorry, director. I don't know her name. I know that the whole idea was so that she could – bring awareness to the sexualization of children, but you sexualize children in order to try and get your message across. That's like, don't rob people. I'm going to rob this person to show you not to rob people. I was going to say, that was like like saying drugs are bad. Now I'm going to give you drugs so that you can see how bad they are. And you're like, they're still getting it? Yeah, they're still uh, being exposed to something they may have never been exposed to before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but let's move on from that. Uh, Before we hop into the top 10, of course, we have messages from friends of the podcast, one of them being our good friends over at Stranger Damies, which before I go into my usual little spiel about them, um, the main Damie, which is their umbrella podcast, right um are doing the 31 days of horror for halloween so make sure you check that out because again it's the halloween season but stranger jamie's is the 
ongoing real play D&D podcast from the main Damie family of podcasts. Join them every Wednesday as the Wild Stallions traverse the many traps and tribulations that Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition has to throw in their path. There's elves, weird half-dragon people, conspiracies to uncover, and more references to the 1980s than Ready Player One. Subscribe to the podcast on all podcast series services by searching Stranger Damies and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. Stranger Damies is also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find us at geekvibesnation.com. Also, make sure you check out Ricky and Jacob for the Music City Drive-In. That's an amazing podcast as well. And I do also, this isn't in my normal like script here, but I do want to give a huge shout out to Sean Ventura of Lights Camera Pro. Um, about a week or so ago, we did a review on the Netflix series Ratchet, which is uh, very gruesome, I have to say. So there you go. You're Halloween-ish. He's just an amazing co-host there. Brittany, I almost replaced you with him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. Um, but- <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I- I'm going to have a word with you after this. <laughs> but he recently did an interview with Scott Atkins, so make sure you check that out at geekfivesnation.com. And, yeah, so, Brittany, we are doing the top ten gruesome characters in movies and TV shows. Why don't you start us off with number ten? Oh, man, that's hard. Putting me on the spot there. Let me look here. Let me start this off. (laughs) I'm going to go, I think, um, I'm trying to think of who to put higher up on it. But I think for personally for me, uh, in the newest uh, Michael Myers movie, have you seen it? I have not seen the 2018 version of Halloween, but I heard it was very good, and they're coming out with the sequel, Halloween Kills, at some point again when movies can actually be movies again. I was say when they exist again. I was going to say, this was the first Halloween movie I'd seen. I had not seen the original, and I hadn't seen any, like, leading up to it. And I guess at first I was like, oh, this is going to be like you know, campy, you know, I was like, you know, a lot of these movies, like, like Michael Myers, like, and a couple of others that, you know, they, they're scary, but you're like, oh, ha ha, you know, of course they're going to die, you know, because when it's remade a million times, you go, okay, I'm not that scared, but there's a scene, right, where uh, Michael Myers, I can't remember the guy, but he, like, follows them into a bathroom stall, right, and because he's just a killing machine, and I think he had, like, escaped, like, a facility, I think, like, an asylum, and he falls in a bathroom stall, and he, he kills him pretty horrifically, but I remember, I remember there's this scene, and, and I may butcher this a little bit, he walks out of the bathroom, right, with, like, like at a gas station with his fist clenched, and I remember... No, I think he's still in the stall. I can't remember. Either way, he corners one of the other characters, and he slowly opens his hand, and teeth start dropping one by one out of his hand and start bouncing on the ground because he had literally ripped out all this guy's teeth or, like, beat them out of him, gathered into his hand, and just starts dropping them. And it's so nasty. And I have this thing about teeth that I was like, okay, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty horrific. But then 
there's another scene where he like uh this guy is running i think he's like drunk and he's like trying to climb over one of those fences that's like spiky on the top you know those kind of old-timey kind of gothic ones and the dude's pretty freaking drunk he's having trouble climbing over it and michael myers just like yanks on him basically and the dude impels his stomach like in his body on this uh gate and so it just stays there and i was like i've never uh realized quite how horrific uh you know how how clever i guess they could be with their kills but i the whole thing had me going oh what awful and fucked up way is this person about to die so yeah i'm gonna go with michael myers straight up I think that so many people will agree with you. I ha- so there has like there has been a shit ton of like Michael Myers Halloween movies, right? Um, I've seen the original, which is pretty scary for its time, right? Um, I remember watching it maybe when I was like a late teen, and I watched it with like in the dark, and it wasn't even Michael Myers that scared me, it was like the music, the dun 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 I was like, oh my god, he's gonna come out of the closet, um, but I, I've seen a few Halloween movies, right, I've seen the original, I wish you were on last week's podcast, because, um, there have been some real bad ones, such as Halloween Resurrection, which is what I did last week, and just, you know, I don't need to tell you anything else except for the fact that Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks were in it, Um, just because they're like, you know, these are the popular people at the time. Let's throw them in for no apparent reason. Uh, But Luke Kirby is in that. He plays an absolute scumbag. But you have, like, um, Halloween Resurrection, Halloween H2O, like, really bad ones. I think that I don't think that Halloween ever got as campy as, say, uh, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, but it certainly was going that way. And I know that Rob Zombie had his version of Halloween, which um, I never saw those either. I'm assuming it would be in the typical Rob Zombie fashion of movie making. But when 2018's Halloween came out, people loved it. People raved about it. They were like, oh, finally, you know, like, we're back at a good holiday. Good food. Yeah, no, I mean, that's how I felt, like, when you talk to horror fans. So I was like, that's really cool. Um, They've just never been my cup of tea. But it's it's funny because any time there is, like, what you calls it a like a Halloween Kills right, which is the sequel that's going to come out. Anytime there's a story that Kanan wants us to cover, like I don't touch it with a ten foot pole. And Kanan's always like, Tia, don't you want to like cover this? And I'm like, Stop making me cover Halloween Kills. I don't like these horror movies. Uh, but you know, I write them anyway because I'm a good sport. But anyway, um, yeah, Brittany. I mean, Halloween's a freaking like very gruesome uh michael Myers is a very gruesome person which is very funny growing up with mike myers um and oh, yeah. i was when- confused as a kid yeah and then you hear michael myers and you're like wait they named a character after him but it's like you know no like that's that's not the case but um yeah no Brittany, i 
would 100% agree with you that Michael Myers definitely is the great way to start off the top 10 most gruesome characters. So, good job. (laughs) Thanks, pal. (laughs) I like that one. I like that. Um, All right, let me look at my list here. So I am going to be probably doing some characters that are, like, unexpected um, just because it's, like, I don't know. To me, like, the most gruesome characters are when you can make characters human, if that makes sense, yeah. right? You don't have to be these, like, wild uh, supernatural beings, even though, of course, that helps, but... I'm going to do George Foyette from Criminal Mind. Oh, I I was thinking about him, and I was like, well, maybe not. And then, so I'm very happy that you chose him. (laughs) Um, For anyone who doesn't know, Criminal Minds was a, you know, detective uh, crime sort of uh, show that ran for 15 seasons. much more gruesome than I say SVU, right? And throughout the years, they've had a lot of sort of standout characters. For the most part, like SVU, um, every episode is a different character, but some do have a story arc, one of them being George Foyette, who um, you find out is this guy who's been killing, you know, for at least 10 years or more and in very brutal fashions he would often stop couples who are you know drive um and he would most of the time say like shoot the male and stab the female a bunch of times and all that and it's crazy because when you first meet this character you think that he is the quote-unquote only surviving victim of uh this this killer but in reality, he was the killer himself. And to me, I thought that watching Criminal Minds, because at that point I was watching like Criminal Minds in real time, right? And to have this scene where there's a bus full of people and George Foyette stops the bus and he's like telling everyone to put their hands up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you just seeing like shots go and blood uh freaking going everywhere and knowing that he killed every single person on that bus and then used their blood to like write on the windows of the bus to all send a message to the team specifically um Hotch was very like oh my god to me that's so gruesome and then at some point because George Foyette always had this like back and forth with the leader of the team Aaron Hotch Hotchner? I think it was Hotchner now. I'm, like, getting confused. But um, at some point, at some point, it's made very apparent that uh, George Fayette is, like, stabbing Hotchner. But he says, like, oh, you know, I was, like, a medical professor or whatever. Like, I know where to stab you that you won't die. And that's so just, like, to me, again, gruesome. And the last thing I'll say is that... um, To me, there was no more terrifying of a scene in these crime drama shows than when he was standing behind Hotchner's ex-wife while Hotchner's ex-wife was on the phone with Hotchner, and uh, George Foyette is, like, brushing her hair aside with the butt of his gun, and you just, like, 
hearing the shot ring through the phone on Hotchner's end. So to me, I'm like, you know, again, like, and obviously this this list is going to have characters like Michael Myers on them because they are very gruesome. But to me, it's like having a human being capable of that and bringing that fear and being that gruesome to me is just like that's terrifying. Yeah. It's like what's for you. I think it's like too. It's like you think from someone so uh, kind of like that calm demeanor where it is they're very intelligent. Like you get a lot of brute force characters that just uh, like kill so easily because they're big and strong, right? Like they're unnaturally strong and evil. But then I think with Foya, I think that he's capable of doing those things while not being like physically very intimidating, but he's capable of so much more. Yeah, if you saw that guy on the street, you'd probably think nothing of him, right? Um, because he's not very physically imposing. He, when you first meet him, has a very sort of like shy and nervous demeanor because he's playing the act of being the sole survivor who's always scared and lives under all these aliases, right? And it's like as soon as he's revealed as the killer and he's able to be George Poyet, he's very like sadistically playful i'll say yeah like it, he it, like that part where uh he ends up like hurting himself in prison and just like laughing as like blood is on his face i was like oh yeah he's a bad guy well george foyette's thing was um he wanted to be remembered as say one of the greats right he's like oh when they talk about these killers like Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer, they're going to include my name. And like, that's terrifying that that's what someone wants to aspire to be. Like, you know, uh, it's like the next Nelson Mandela, the next, uh, you know, Marilyn Monroe. It's like, no, 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 no. I want to be the next Ted Bundy. It's like, that's. Jesus. I was going to say, I think another thing with like Foyette is that, he had such like he had such a hate boner for Hodgner, like <laughs> that it was almost laughable. Like it makes me think of another character that's going to be later on in the list, but the, he gives me those vibes. I think you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> of course, um, no, I totally agree. He set his sights on Hodgner and. We see that it not only cost Hotchner the love of his life, because even though, even though Haley was Hotchner's ex-wife at this point, um, they still very much loved each other. So that robbed him of that, and we see that Hotch, we see that Foyette always kind of has embedded himself in Hotchner. Because I'll say one last thing. Ho- uh, spoiler alert. George Foyette does get killed. Hotchner literally ends up beating him to death. Um, but later on, like seasons after Hotchner ends up being in a coma, which is the only time that Criminal Minds has kind of done this, like, you know, surre- surrealistic sort of, you know, thing. But you're seeing... Hotchner in the coma in his like sort of like dreamland and his dreamland is him going to a movie theater seeing Haley but then Haley's quote unquote date is George Foyette and like oh. 
like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like we clearly see that Foyette has always kind of uh, left a mark, literally and psychologically, on Hotster. But Brittany, what is your number eight? You've inspired me with the TV shows. I'm going to have to go with uh, with Negan from The Walking Dead because he's one of the most gruesome characters I know. I had him on my list, which is not oh, a bad thing. No, 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 it's perfectly fine because I was like, he is a, like, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to let you talk. You, you, you go. No, no, you're good. I was going to say, because the first moment that you're starting to introduce to him, like, during the TV show, you know, you're like, okay, who's Negan? He sounds like a bad dude, but how bad? Because certainly we've seen other parts of The Walking Dead, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that, like, you go, okay, that's pretty awful, right? You know, things about throats being slit. And you're like, okay, that's pretty bad. But there's something, like, much scarier about someone that takes such glee in lining up these people in that situation, in the woods, hunting them down like they're animals, like they're their prey, and then going, you know what, I'm going to make you all watch as I literally murderize the hell out of one person. And the way that, like, with Abraham, the when he hit him, and then, he doesn't just stop, right? He doesn't stop at just, oh, let me just, you know, bonk you once. He's like, no, let me do it until you're just dead. Let me do it until literally there's nothing left of your noggin. Like, you wouldn't have been able to even, uh, what's the word for it? You wouldn't have even been able to pick him out of the lineup at that point. Like, no mother would have recognized that child-type situation. And then when you have that done, you have what happened to Glenn with his eye popping out. And you go, yeah, that's pretty freaking awful. So you go like that. And, well, you also have the point where Carl nearly gets, like, he nearly makes his own father, like, chop his arm off and gets to the point of, like, where he has it right before he's like, oh, no, you're good. I'm just messing with you. And you're like, okay, this, this dude's pretty freaking sadistic, right? But then, at the factory, you realize that Negan, like, uh, if somebody really messes up, does something bad, he takes an iron to their face as a constant reminder. And when he pulls the iron back, the skin is still attached from where it's, like, cooked off, basically, onto the iron and tears it off. I mean, if, if that's not gruesome, I'm not really sure what is, Tia. <laughs> well, those are all of the reasons why I felt that Negan absolutely deserved to be on this list. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, his, uh, you know that the first episode of season seven just was so brutal to me. I was like, this is torturous, right? And as you said, the glee that Negan seemed to have gotten out of having them all lined up and, you know, making it where it's like, hey, one of your loved ones is about to die in this moment. And it's like it's gotten to the point with The Walking Dead where it's like, yeah, it's still tragic when a walker kills one of them, but it's like almost expected because it's like, hey, it's The Walking Dead. You're in this world. But it's like when it's a human and they're talking and they're toying with you guys and they're literally doing like an eeny, meeny, miny fucking mo shit, right? And, yeah, no, to me that was so brutal, seeing Negan like literally taking a bat and beating 
two people's faces into the point where it's just a bloody mess and no longer even a skull at that point. And Glenn's eye popping out is still, like, one of the, like, most disturbing images I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's, I was like, this is a bad mamma jamma. Um, I forgot, by the way, about him, like, taking an iron to people's faces because I believe that his name was Dwight, right? Because I feel like I ended up liking, I feel like I ended up liking his character after a while. Yeah, because that happened to Dwight, and that also happened to uh, one of the the one of the wives. Like she had like a husband, I think, like before everything, but she had to end up like being with Negan because I think like her oh like her mom was really sick and couldn't like make her points, and so it was like I think Negan said he's like, oh, you don't want your mom to have to go back out there, right? And like. It was like she had to basically fess up, so he took the iron as a reminder to the dude's face, like, hey, your wife is my wife now. Yeah, that's messed up, Brittany. I I love how Negan has his own little, like, warped sense of morality where he's like, I don't believe in rape. It's like, but you're forcing women to marry you and have sex with you. Like, you're not, say, raping them in the traditional way of people thinking of what rape is, but by uh, manipulating and pretty much like, uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, by like, you know, threatening them with the shit like that. Like, the, you know. That, coercion. Yeah, but that's it. By coercing. That, that's rape, uh, Negan. I hate to tell you that, because I know no. you don't want to keep that, but I hate to tell you, but it's true. <laughs> oh, you can't wait for your points. Cause like, uh, there was, like, uh, Dwight's wife ends up marrying Negan, I think, to protect Dwight. But the reason they both left and got in trouble was because her sister had uh, had to have insulin and okay. Negan was like oh I'll give you your insulin basically for free because you know she needed the points for it that he was like oh if you marry me I'll take care of you but they didn't want to have to do that so they ran away with a big thing of insulin I think right but then didn't the sister end up dying anyway she ended up dying yeah see I felt bad for Dwight he was just you know an unfortunate situation, but I agree. Negan definitely deserves to be on this list. Um, he's just a gruesome character, Brittany, and I know he's your fave, but... <laughs> no words to you. Just accept it. Such an apologist. <laughs> I to accept it. Like, I'm accepting five kittens crawling on my face right now. Oh my god. I love it. No, I do. I seriously do. Like kittens are the best. They're pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. I was sitting here, I was like, must not sound distracted for podcasts. Oh, five kittens? Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> that certainly will do it. Um uh let's move on to number seven um i'm trying to look at my list and see if like this works out with how many people because it as you said is always like difficult trying to like put it in order so give me just 
two seconds. I know I should have been, like, more prepared here, but, you know, fuck it, right? Never. Nah, right? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to pick this next person, and I know that, like, as I said, I'm having, like, a bit of a different, say, mindset of what, like, gruesome is, right, as opposed to, like, the traditional, like, and I try to, like, sit there and think about, like, you know, gruesome, gruesome, you know, blah, 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 trying to be that way, but it's, like, I just feel, like, you know, again, I I like the human aspect of it. It just, I like it. So, and it's funny that you and I were talking about Alexander Skarsgård before as him as Randall Flagg in The Stand because this is an Alexander Skarsgård character. And it's Perry Wright from Big Little Lies, which I know people who are listening are going to be like, I thought this was going to be a podcast about all the horror movie characters, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sorry, this is my podcast. And I set the rules. <laughs> um, but... Uh, what you want to call it, I felt like this character was terrifying. And I know that this is not a show that is, say, quote-unquote, gruesome, but it's, like, again, that, like, human aspect, when a human can, like, elicit fear into someone, I'm, like, that is horrible. So um, I feel like I've put Perry right on pot on lists before, but I'll – for those who are, say, new-time listeners, I'll go through it. So Big, Big Little Lies is a show on HBO. I I only watched the first season. I didn't watch the second season. I just didn't get a chance to. But this all is in the context of season one. So Perry Wright, played by Alexander Skarsgård, is a husband to Nicole Kidman's character, Celeste. And from the outside, which I never understood what Perry Wright did for a living, but apparently he did very well. He was always out on business trips, and they lived in this big, beautiful, gorgeous house in California to the point where Celeste didn't have to work, and they could raise two boys and be completely financially stable. Not And, like, it, it wasn't even just, like, living comfortably. It was, like, living lavishly, right? Um but you find out so many things like a before the two of them got married and before they had children, Celeste was a lawyer and she loved being a lawyer and she wanted to continue being a lawyer. But Perry forced her to not be a lawyer anymore. Like literally said, like you will not work. You are just to raise our children. Um, And Again, from the outside, it's like they look as if they have this, like, really beautiful fucking relationship, right, to the point where, like, in the beginning, one of Celeste's friends says, like, oh, my God, you and Perry have been together for, like, 10 years or more, and, you know, you still act as if you're teenagers in love, right? But behind the scenes, he is fucking brutally beating her, like, constantly for the smallest things, right? Like, there's at some point where... One of Celeste's friends are in legal trouble, and she's like, Celeste, like, you know, I know you haven't practiced law in a really long time, but I'd really love if you could, like, you know, help me out, you know, represent me a little, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know, you're my friend. Of course I will. And when Perry finds out, like, because he comes home and she's doing, like, you know, her homework per se, he's like, we didn't discuss this. And, like, literally just, like, beating her, not even, like, 
like nothing's okay, right? Like let me say that, but like full on like close fists, like you know beating her um, to a point where like black and blue everywhere, so angry. And you have to think about like you know Alexander Skarsgård's like six foot four, you know, huge muscular, you know. So and uh, not that like Nicole Kidman is any sort of like small person. She's a very tall person as well, but she feels like as if she's so small compared to him. And at some point the two of them go to therapy, right? And it's like, at first, the therapist is no fool. It's like she sees what's going on, but Celeste is trying to make it seem like as if, like, it's an emotional thing. Like, you know, um, she is just trying to get their marriage saved and for Perry to be better. And, you know, what can she do, blah, blah. And there's at some point where the therapist wants to start seeing Celeste by herself. And Celeste is like, why aren't you giving me, why aren't you helping us save our marriage? And she's like, I'm not trying to save your marriage. I'm trying to save your life. She was like, because there's going to come a point where he's going to kill you. Um, And, like, the therapist literally, like, starts telling Celeste, like, how to slowly get herself out of this guy's life, right? So what I'm leading to is um, there, what you calls it, there's this scene where at some point Celeste has kind of, like, accepted that she's going to leave Perry. And she gets an apartment that she you know is going to move into and there's at some point where celeste like comes home and you know perry's playing with the kids and he just kind of says like so like casually he's like oh your real estate agent called and i I have never been more scared for a human being in my life like a fictional human being where i was like he's going to kill her like, she's going to die, like, right now. Um, and so pretty much he, he ends up, like, you know, like, severely fucking, like, hurting her. Um, and uh, what I'm going at the last point here is freaking they end up having to go to this, like, party, right? Because, again, like, Celeste and Perry, they're trying to, you know, not let anyone else see what their relationship actually is and they go to this party and pretty much like the whole thing comes to a big blow because at the end of the season pretty much her friends and even those who weren't friends with celeste see like perry beating the fuck out of celeste and these women try and like go and help her and he starts beating the fuck out of them and then you know until like uh zoe kravitz character pushes him literally down a flight of steps which was like the most glorious thing ever but yeah i know that that's like so not traditional a gruesome character but i swear the fear that he instilled throughout the entire season and what he was like willing to do to his wife like the person he's supposed to love and like the malice that he had without any regards when he was putting his hands on her is why I think he's one of the most gruesome characters in TV. This is that, you know, say like Michael Myers, it's not realistic to have someone like possessed by the devil. That's like basically, you know, just a murdering machine that can't be stopped. 
but with this character, he's real. Like, you know somewhere out there that this exact situation is going down, and I think that's what makes it even scarier, because it is crazy what humans are capable of doing to one another, especially someone like you said that they're supposed to love. And can I, like, go... This is, you know, you and I, for our top tens, we always go off on different things, right? Um I have to say that you brought up a really good point. I know this, like, is very, like, off topic, but I can't, like, I feel like I need to say this all the time. You know, I watch a lot of commentary videos on YouTube, and obviously one of, like, the YouTube sensations that people cannot help themselves from talking about is that guy, Nikocado Avocado, right? And I watch a lot of, like, commentary videos, and I watch a lot of, like, compilations, and him and his husband, like, fake domestic abuse. And what gets me so much, it's like, they're using this for views when there are people in real life going through this every single day, right? Like, Every single day, like, they'll have a clip where, like, you know, he'll spill something and his husband will be like, what's wrong with you? And start, like, hitting him. But, you know, that's, like, completely orchestrated. I'm like, but that's real life. There is someone really out there who just literally spilled a glass of wine and is getting beaten for it, you know? And I'm just like, that's what gets me. So I'm sorry to, like, go off, but, like, you brought up a great point. Like, there are people out there, like, literally as we're talking right now who are going through this. Yeah, I hate Nikocado Avocado. I also hate his name. It's too long to say. It's too, too long to say. I love the hiccups with this man, but that one, oh, that one gets me. I'm sorry. But, like, no, seriously, I think it's kind of crazy how, like, especially kids on, like, TikTok will be like, oh, you know, act, like, silly with it. And it's like, until it actually truly happens to you, you won't be so, oh, let me do this for the views for the internet clout yeah so i'm sorry i know that like so doesn't have anything to do with my pick but like it just reminded me of it where i'm just like this is not funny you know like that and i think that's why i loved what they did in big little lies because i think they portrayed it in the scary like fashion ever oh and i forgot one last thing right perry is also a rapist because there's another character on the show who like so the whole thing again like they live in this like really beautiful part of california and shit and there's this like younger woman who kind of like becomes friends with all the other women and she's a single mom and she's very like reluctant to say like who the father is and she pretty much says at some point like you know i went on this date with this really like charming good looking man i thought everything was going great and you know that was going to be it it was going to be like you know that first date but then he he, like raped me in the back of my car right and like and she was like and I don't know his name because I think it was a fake name blah, blah blah and when she and at this point she's never met Celeste's husband and at the end when she sees that that's who Celeste's husband is she's like that's the man who raped me um and you know it like makes sense because Perry's always going off on business meetings and like yeah, business, business business so um yeah so he, he's a pretty bad mamma jamma that's just somebody who's like born evil like just had that already in them or something 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, I didn't see the second season, which I know I should, because apparently from what I saw in the trailers, Meryl Streep came in and, like, played Perry's mother and was, like, all, like, you know, Celeste, like, what happened to my son? You know, why didn't you take care of him? He was a good man or something. And I'm just like, girl, girl. (laughs) You're like, no, thank you, ma'am. Um, which is so crazy because Alexander Skarsgård seems like such a nice guy in real life, and it's like, you played a really bad person. <laughs> What'd you say? So they always say, like, oh, you see this good-looking man that's tall? Let's become a monster. I mean, I'm really looking forward to him playing Randall Flagg in the stand. I too. When you said Randall Flagg, by the way, what is the name of uh, the character in Suicide Squad? Rick Flagg. What is it? Rick Flagg. Rick Flagg. Now, is this one Randall? Yeah. Okay, that's why I was confused. I was like, these are so close. <laughs> they're brothers <laughs> and you know it's funny they both play they're both played by Swedes and they're both friends in real life Joel Kinnaman and Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> there you go what'd you say you capped out there I, I, I they go to the same school yeah, something like that. I, I, there's, like, all these, like, magazines from, like, Sweden where it's, like, the Skarsgård brothers and Joel Kinnaman and shit, and I'm just, like, they all love each other. <laughs> brothers. Oh, my gosh. But, um, yeah, so my number seven is going to be Perry Wright. Brittany, what is your number six? Let me look here. I think I'm going to go with uh, you because it's going to be a twofer. And my first one, oh wait, let me make sure. I had a wrong button on my phone and I was afraid I ended it. That would have been bad. We would have been uh, editing these recordings together. Um, I was going to say, I'm going to go with Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Because there's something horrifying about a character that not only is like, so, you remember Buffalo Bill, right? The main serial killer of the movie? Yeah. Well, the, what gets me about this character is that he's intentionally going after heavier set women. And the reason why is because he's starving them. Because he's knowing that if he completely starves them, it will loosen the skin and make it easier to make a bodysuit out of their skin. So that's pretty, you know, pretty awful in its own right. Right? Like, to starve someone to use their skin. I mean, using their skin, even alone, is pretty awful. But, so then you have, after he skins them, right, he he sticks a freaking, like, half, uh, half-born, half like, metamorphosized, like, moth into their throat as basically, like, a calling card for when people find them, right? Mm-hmm. But... But what gets me, too, is that the way he, what's the word for it? And you go, okay, he's starving them, right? He sticks them in a well, like, basically in his basement, so he can taunt them and, like, make fun of them when they're screaming and crying. Because the thing is, like, he's wanting to, like, emulate them, so there's a part that, like, where the woman is screaming and she's, like, like, 
like, I think, like, tugging at her shirt. And so he starts screaming like her and tugging at his shirt. And I don't know why it's even scarier that he has, like, a little dog he's, like, constantly holding on to. I don't know why that's intimidating. Kind of like a villain with a cat. The way, like, you know, you know where the line goes, uh, it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again because he calls them it. They have, like, that, like, separation, like, that pull away. But, yeah, I just got to go with him because, for me, having seen that movie so many times, and I always focus on, say, a different character in the show constantly, right? Like, in the movie. But looking back, that is pretty fucking horrific, Tia. Yes, 100%. Um, I agree with that because it's like that, like, I don't know, I don't know what's more terrifying, like the other person that you're going to mention from that movie or him because it's like, to me, it's like at least like the other character has a level of like intelligence and only does things once he, as you always say, um, deems you like, inhuman pretty much uh lesser than but it's like with buffalo bill it's like he has this like really crazy obsession where it's like he doesn't even view these women as people and it's like he wants to like it's like he's doing this all to like obtain their skin and it's like that's so gross (laughs) like that's nasty (laughs) well it's just like I think what gets me is, like, there's a scene where he knocks out that one woman that he's wanting to take, and he had been watching her, but then, like, he looks at the tag on her shirt, and he gets, like, so excited and just starts, like, stroking his hand down her skin. I was like, ugh. Like, it literally, like, makes my stomach turn when I think about it, because I was like, this dude's got, like, an obsession, and it's all about, like, harvesting skin. And that's pretty freaking gross. It is gross because it's just like, dude, like, what is your obsession here? Just put on like, because was it like, was his whole thing that he wanted to be like a woman, you know? Well, in it, Hannibal does make the point, and I and I like that they make this point in it because because it could have been really thought badly about like at this point in time, especially is that Hannibal even says he's, like, he doesn't, he's not trans. He doesn't, like, he's not, you know, feeling like he's, you know, trapped in a man's body and, you know, trying to go about changing that, like, his outside form. But what he says is that he wants to emulate, like, it's like, I can't remember the way Hannibal describes it, but it's not about, because he says that even, like, um, having the surgery that uh, the man's been denied for it many times because he's not truly trans. He's, like, it's that, like he has an obsession like a with, with women. But, like, would, wait, what did you say? Like a fetish, almost. Yes, it, it was like, I'm trying to think of the really the way that they described it, because they did make a really big point to say that he wasn't trans, but I'm trying to remember what what they said about it. But I do like that Hannibal made that distinction, because when I watched it when I was younger, I was like, well, he just wants to be a woman, but it's like, it's like an obsession with women, and they're not, in fact, wanting to be a woman, but like, 
it's really, I don't know how to say it's really weird, because they do, like, have a good explanation for it. I just cannot remember it, even though it's in the movie a times. I was going to say, you can't recite that movie, Brittany. Um, I was reciting words for words with me. <laughs> no, I, and I agree with you that I feel that, you know, anyone who would sit there and try and say, like, this is him trying to be trans is like, that's just not the case at all, you know? Um, I feel that it, it's like when, like every serial killer has like their thing, which sounds bad, but it's like this was just his thing. This was just the thing that I feel like got him off, right? Because a lot of it comes from like a sexual sort of stance, and this is going really into like the psychology of things, but like, you know, uh, like the sexual sadism there. And it's like this is kind of, to me it was like it's like a fetish. And it's like a really sick fetish, and it's a really violent, horrifying, uh, homicidal fetish. You know, and I think actually I do remember what it was, is that, okay, it's kind of like, I think there was this woman that he was obsessed with that, like, he, he, like, lived by. I think that was, like, one of the first victims, right? So I think it was kind of like, Imagine, like, I super was, like, obsessed with you, Tia, right? And I watched you from afar for a really long time, right? And then I was like, well, I want to be her, right? So then I started harvesting, like, a skin outfit. But I think what it was is that since he wanted to emulate that woman, it's like, oh, well, the soft skin and all this, right, like, a more feminine appearance. So it'd be, like, me murdering only, like, black-haired, curly-haired women, and made, like, a wig out of their hair and, like, harvested their skin because it was, like, the same complexion as yours. So I think that was sort of what it was. Because I think, like, I think in the movie he has a male lover, but I think even though I think he's gay, I think he was still obsessed with this woman. It's, like, a really, like, complicated, like, situation, but I think that's the closest example I could be, is, like, if I was obsessed with someone and wanted to make a skin suit that looked like their body. Still terrifying. Still Still terrifying. Still pretty gruesome, right? Still pretty gruesome. There's a a line, have you ever watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I have heard of it. Is it the funny one? It's hilarious. It really is. But there's, like, a scene, I forget what it is, but they're, like, trying to, like, justify something, and the character's like, cool, cool, cool. Still murder, though. (laughs) And it's like, that's how I feel. It's like, cool, cool. Still murder, though. Still still complete murder. A character that shows up later, where I'm like, yeah, they're so cool because of this and this. And I'm just imagining going, yeah, still murder, though. Oh, yeah, no, completely. I mean, but that's how I feel, like, whenever you say, like, Negan, Thanos, I'm like, ah, cool, still murder. Um, but, <laughs> no, I think, I think it's great putting Buffalo Bill. It certainly deserves a place on this list. Um, I'm going to go with number five. And now I mentioned that Sean Ventura of Lights, Camera, Pro podcast, um, we did a review on the Netflix show Ratchet. So, um, and even though I wasn't necessarily, like, the biggest fan of the show, um, the character Mildred Ratchet I felt, was 
a pretty gruesome character. So my uh, nurse Ratchet is going to be strictly from the Netflix show Ratchet, um, as opposed to the one from the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, because they are two completely two different characters, and I'm convinced that the producer Ryan Murphy literally just wanted to make another season of American Horror Story, but couldn't. So they were, he was like, I'm just going to make Ratchet. Um, in general, the show is gruesome as hell. Like, let me give you a quick background, right? Uh, there are beheadings. There are people. Uh, there's one character who literally, there's one character who literally caves in the faces of Catholic priests. Um, one character gets high on LSD and literally cuts off the limbs of a young boy. Um, so there's a lot of gruesomeness in this show. If you're squeamish, I certainly don't suggest it. I was not expecting any of it. Um, but so you have the character Mildred Ratchet, who, again, if you are a fan of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, don't watch this because, again, it has nothing to do with that character whatsoever. I'm sorry. Like, it really pisses me off because One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is one of the most classic movies in cinema and one of my favorite films of all time. And this character where Sarah Paulson is supposed to be playing a prequel version of this well-known character, it did not feel like that character whatsoever. And it's like, I, if you wanted to make this story, you could have made it without just calling it what it was. That It just gets me. I'm sorry. But her character is a fucking nut job. Um, she refers herself pretty much to, like, the angel of mercy because in the first episode there's literally, like, because she's a nurse at a psychiatric hospital, right, which you find out at some point she's not even, like, licensed to do any of that. She made all that shit up so that she could be... Yeah, the whole thing is like, so you remember that guy I just mentioned who literally caved in the faces of some Catholic priests? Uh, so that's her brother. And, oh. he, and he has been sent to the psychiatric hospital, and she's pretty much there to want to break him out. But um, before he gets sent to that hospital, she's there. There's a character in it who is like, I don't know what his ailment is. It's the 30s, and they, like, were throwing people in psychiatric hospitals for being gay. So, like, who even knows what was, quote-unquote, wrong with him, if anything at all. Um, But she – and he speaks Italian. He doesn't speak English. And she's like, you know, your family threw you in here, and they're never going to get you back. And I know that you want to go back with them, but they don't want you back. So I'm going to kill you to make you feel better. So she kills him. She uh, slits his throat. So there's that. Um, shit, Tia. What? That's some crazy psychological shit. Oh, it gets it gets crazier. I, I'm not even done. I ain't even done oh, here. She ain't even done. So at this point in the show is when they are first coming out with lobotomies. And for sane people in 2020 who may not know what a lobotomy is, it's, you know, we all know that back in the day they didn't get medicine right. Um, So back in the day, if they thought that there was any sort of part of you that needed some help, like let's say you daydreamed. 
and I, and there was a character who had, who daydreamed a lot, right? You daydreamed. You had some behavior issues. You were gay. Um, because, again, this is not me just saying this. Like, there was at some point that being homosexual was considered a mental illness, um, which is fucking nuts. But I'm just saying this. So it's like, let's say you had any of these quote-unquote ailments um they literally thought that removing a part of your brain was like a good idea and they didn't remove a part of your brain by opening up your skull and actually doing some surgical procedure or anything no they just mostly put an ice pick underneath your eye and like stabbed at that thing so you know like real efficient here and i say this because um the doctor who's the head of the psychiatric hospital is like, I just discovered this uh, new uh, procedure that will help. And he literally like at first tries to go through the eardrums of someone. So again, like great. And then uh, Ratched uh, decides that she's going to use this procedure on the surviving priest that her brother fucking annihilated and to make sure that he doesn't talk she literally gives him a lobotomy to make him a drooling freaking mess because that's what happens um so there's that there's just so many other things that she like ends up killing a lot of people in this freaking uh show but to me the most grueling part of the show is so um i know i'm just like I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck did I watch? And I watched all eight episodes of this shit. But there is at some point that, so Corey Stoll, right, is in the show. Um, And Corey Stoll plays a character who is hired by Sharon Stone's character. Okay, you ready for this, Brittany? Let's do this. Um, So remember that guy that I just mentioned who got high on LSD and chopped off the limbs of a young kid? Yes. Okay. So his mother, so the child whose limbs got chopped off, um, his mother wants revenge against that doctor who's the head of the psychiatric hospital that Nurse Ratched works in. Corey Stoll is a hitman played by, uh, is a, is a hitman hired by Sharon Stone's character. He lives in the same motel that Nurse Ratchet lives in. They start this really weird, it's not even a romance, it's the strangest thing. There's at some point that Corey Stoll's character even says, you are the worst lay of my life, um, which I don't... Which I... Which I don't blame him because as they're, like, having sex, she's literally talking about how she was a nurse in the battlefield and how she wants to pretend that he is one of her patients who literally got his legs blown off, um, which you see that she was doing that, too, back when she was a nurse in the war, killing people. Um, So at some point, uh, Corey Soule's character it wants to, you know, he's hired to kill the doctor and nurse ratchet says like, Oh, I'm going to help you. Cause I work there. And he is an absolute crock. But at the same point, she tells the doctor, cause she knows she can manipulate the doctor. Cause the whole thing is that either she wants to help her brother escape, or she at least wants to prove that he's insane. So he isn't fit for trial. So he doesn't get the death sentence. And she knows that she can manipulate the doctor because he's a very manipulated type of person. So she tricks Corey Stoll's character. And I know this, I'm going on, but I'm, I'm leading up to something here. She tricks Corey Stoll's character to coming into the psychiatric hospital 
um, she knocks him out, right, and literally puts him – I don't know if you've ever seen these things. Again, one of these, like, crazy practices back in the day, um, the tub that they would put you in and then put these metal freaking like, doors over your body so you couldn't escape. And it was, like, this, like, pressure – like tub that they thought would like help like there's literally at some point where they're like they have a patient who's a woman who's gay and they're like this is how we're going to cure you we're going to put you in this tub and we're literally going to fucking boil you pretty much so she it like boils them though it gets so it was like at this uh you have to look it up it's like called water therapy or something or hydrotherapy where it was like you have two tubs right One, you put them in, you're supposed to put them in for 20 minutes at 120 degrees and then take them out of that tub and then put them in the other tub, which is an ice bath for five minutes. And it's like somehow that was supposed to like do something, right? So Sarah Paulson's character, I know, Sarah Paulson's character, Nurse Ratchet, gets Corey Stoll's character into the tub that gets boiled. And literally fucking, like, boils him at, like, 160, 170 degrees to the point that when he breaks out of the tub, his skin is literally falling off him. So, yeah, Nurse Ratchet is a gruesome character because of everything that she did in that season. Okay. Um, Thank you for making me aware of something I'm never going to watch ever. (laughs) you're welcome you're very welcome that's what we do here (laughs) that's what i said (laughs) it's like scary about those kind of characters is how easy it is for like okay there's been like serial killer doctors and nurses in the past right and Mm -hmm. i think it's because you when you go to these people normally, it's when you're at your weakest and most vulnerable. And so to have someone really take advantage of it is pretty freaking horrific. And so you have a nurse and you go, well, nurses are the sweet, nice ones. But then again, every now and then I do have a fear of nurses because I ran into a couple of mean ones. And I'm like, oh, so glad I didn't run into you in a hospital where you might want to murder me and I couldn't do anything about it. So, to have it in an asylum where you could be put there for anything. Well, didn't that happen to JFK's uh, sister? She got lobotomized. Did she? I, I wasn't aware I think of that. It was like a big scandal. It was a big scandal because uh, she was too, as they put it, free-spirited. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, I'll have to look it up. Like, JFK's sister, uh, yes, Rosemary Kennedy. And she was lobotomized uh, because I can't I can't remember the reason. I'll have to look it up in a little while. That way uh, we can move on. But yeah, JFK's sister got lobotomized, and she turned uh, like basically into a vegetable because that's what happens. <laughs> like, how well, do you think that removing like a part of the brain? Not you. I'm just saying. Like, it's it's really really insane that this was a thing like let's see it said that uh she experienced this what it was but i think there was another reason too but she experienced seizures and violent mood swings and so 
she had a prefrontal lobotomy at the age of 23, and it left her permanently incapacitated and rendering her unable to speak intelligibly. That's It's just so horrific, because it's like, it was a botched sort of practice, right? I, they mention it in the show, like, where it originated, right? It didn't even, like, originate in this country. It was, like, some sort of, like, alternative, like, practice that suddenly they're doing. And it literally, they did it to people, as you said, like, for nothing, right? Like, if you, if you're the type of person, like, for me, I do enjoy, like, movies that take place in asylums like that, where, like, why I enjoy One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or um, uh, Girl Interrupted, right? And if, like, in the example of Girl Interrupted, if you watch, uh, Winona Ryder's character is literally sent there because she has anxiety and she is promiscuous, right? Like, because she's, like, a young, like, you know, either, like, 18-year-old, early 20s, whatever, and she's caught having an affair with this older man. And they're like, oh, well, you know, she's she's promiscuous, so, you know, send her to the asylum. And it's like, what? What? Like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. And I think even at some point, like, you know, at that point, um, a woman being hysterical, that's what they call it. She's hysterical. They would put her into an asylum. So it's like, and this is, these are the people that they are performing these, like, life-changing lobotomies on. So it's like Ratchet definitely um, touched upon, I don't want to say that it touched upon, like, too much of, like, the actual corruption of what was happening back in the day. I think they used those more so to have this, like, horror type of uh you know world or something but yeah Corey stole walking out of that bath with skin literally hanging off of him oh please no please no (laughs) i promise i won't find a picture of that (laughs) that is so scary because uh when i was younger i remember there was a story of a girl who uh her it's true story. Her hot water heater was messed up, right? Mm-hmm. So it could make the water super hot, like boiling hot. Like, have you ever been in a house where the water pours out so hot that you're like, oh, that could seriously hurt someone? Um, um I mean, I like really hot showers, so. <laughs> I mean, this thing was broken. Like, like I've been to, like, my grandparents where they have, like, uh, a stove, uh, like, hot water heater, right? Like, where they just feed, like like wood into it right and that gets pretty hot but like it was broken right so it's like boiling water like coming out of there and so she like had a seizure passed out as she was like fixing the tub and it was on the boiling setting basically and she fell into it and her sister finds her right and like goes to grab her out of the tub but her skin slips off on her wrist to like pull her out the girl ended up living but i remember that like grossing me out so bad and it being so horrific that i was like done with it and so like or like there was a story of uh when pearl harbor happened and uh you know all that oil was on top of the water and it was on fire so there was like sailors that had that happen to them where their skin would fall off as they were like pulling them 
into a boat. And since then, like, hearing those stories, hearing this, like, literally made me physically cringe. So, you know what? Good job on the gruesome part, Tia. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you one last thing before we move on. There was a model uh, back in the 80s, Gia, who was, uh, I believe, the first woman, uh, one of the first women, sorry, you know, who knows what's the first, but, like, one of the first people to have contracted HIV um, through, say, like, drug interviews, like, pretty much one of the first cases that showed people, like, this isn't just something that happens to gay men, Um, and, you know, she, the HIV had transformed into AIDS very quickly, and apparently they found her in her tub, she had died in, like, the bath because she was also very heavy into drugs as well. Um, and pretty much they had said that by the time people got to her and tried to pull her out of the water, um, stuff fell off pretty much. Oh, Tia, my stomach can only take so much. Oh, my God. We're in a gruesome uh, category here, Brittany. I regret the decisions I've made, which wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) But let's move on so that we don't have to uh, feel that way anymore. Brittany, what's your number four? (sighs) My number four is my number two. So um, do you have anybody else from a show I mentioned earlier? Uh, anyone that I have on my list, you would not uh, have picked. Okay, because I'm going to go with uh, another Walking Dead, and I'm going to go with Gareth. Yeah. And the reason I say this is because, and I know it's, like, from the same show, but, okay, so you have, like, where... Uh, I remember watching it where everybody's so excited, like, oh, we got to make it to Terminus. You know, they see the signs. It's going to be a safe haven. They're like, oh, if we can just make it. Because at this point, they had Judith, right? If I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, Rick's group and blah, blah, blah didn't have Judith. Judith was in the arms of uh, Carol. And uh, she's alive by this point, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Because, so they get there, and I don't think at first, do do they think it's hunky-dory at first? I'm trying to remember. Or did they instantly, like, oh, this was bad? There was two groups, right? At first, it was Glenn, Maggie, um, Sasha, Bob, Abraham, you know, blah, blah, blah. They get there, and they think it's all great. They're all smiling. They come in. They're like, welcome to Terminus. Here's some food, guys. And they're like, yeah, this is awesome. And then uh, the the other group is Rick, Michonne, and Carl, and Daryl, and Rick is all like uh, – I'm sorry. I'm not trying to take over, but, like, Rick is all cautious <laughs> – he, like, hides their weapons outside, and they, like, sneak in the back pretty much. And at first, they're, like, all, you know, like, apprehensive. And Rick notices that, like, someone is wearing, like, uh, like the, the, the watch that Glenn had or something like that. You know, so he, oh, he, yeah, he gets yeah, very yeah. right away. He's like, where did you get that? Look, it's like, my thing is, like, I don't remember, like, the rest of it as well as, like, the scene where they kind of have them lined up, like, 
like cattle basically over that like basically like little uh I'm trying to think what it's called almost like a feed like where cows would eat out of and I think it's like the way that they treat the humans like actual animals like to butcher them for eating which which that's been a big theme with a lot of zombie movies is the cannibals which is understandable in a way like because you start to see humans as like less than like oh well this is about survival and i can eat you your meat you know i'm not going to think of you as a functioning human being and i guess that's fair enough because like your frontal lobe is the first thing to go when you're starving which is like what controls basically like your empathy and all those like oh feel good emotions that tell you hey i shouldn't do bad shit but the way they like start slitting their throats and i think even you said like it it wasn't like that the actors themselves didn't even know what was coming up so they were like like pretty freaking horrified as it started to happen they didn't tell like obviously they had to tell like the actors who you know it was going to be pretended to be right but they didn't tell say like rick or glenn or or bob you know who are the ones who ends up surviving that moment so it's like they're just pulled in and they're like what the fuck (laughs) it's like human enough that like they do say, the people at Terminus say, like, you know, initially we were good people. Yeah, we did set those signs because they had a school, right? And it was big enough that it's like, okay, this is a good, safe place for people to set up. You know, this is fine. But then another group came in and took advantage of it and ended up uh, raping Gareth and most of the women there, like, repeatedly. And to the point that by then it kind of like broke them on the taking care of other human beings type feeling where they're like it's about survival now and it's like we were basically sheep beforehand but now we're the lions and i was like oh well this is i mean that's that's a hell of a of a character arc there like a personality shift and i get why but golly like just watching it and knowing like the like basically treating them like animal meat was pretty scary and i'm trying to think too whenever they didn't want to like you would think okay well they're killing them instantly right but then you would have meat spoiled because it is in a time where there's not really electricity and i like keep it on like and what those like is it it's like a metal container like storage containers shipping containers that's what i mean shipping containers which is pretty freaking nasty, and it's basically holding there like, oh, yeah, until we get ready to eat you, you're going to sit here and just mellow out, which it did, they keep the guy that, like, even initiated the attack that, like, made them, like, basically snap, like, he was still in there, like, to watch all of his friends get eaten. The Terminus people are so gruesome, like, and because <laughs> to me, it's it's like with who I know who your last character is going to be. <laughs> it rhymes with cannibal. Um, uh, cannibals to me are like the most horrifying thing, right? Because when you get to that point where you're literally willing to like eat other human beings, it's like you have something has broken in you. And I will say, I'm not 
trying to be a Gareth apologist, but I mean, they <laughs> you don't want to start the sentence this way, Tia. Vegan apologist. I ain't gonna. <laughs> but my whole thing is like his his group. They did try and do good, right? They did put out the signs and they did want to be a haven. Then people took advantage, and you see in a flashback where Gareth is like, "We're gonna take this place back." And it's like his mother was raped, like, repeatedly. The women were raped and beaten repeatedly. So it's like, you know, everyone snaps, right? Obviously, they snap in a way where you were like, dang, did you have to go to cannibalism? Um, But, yeah, no, so – Brittany, so gruesome. Like, the whole thing that now it's like a trap, like, of, oh, here's a sanctuary. No, but just kidding. We're going to eat you. And I – like – if you told me, Tia, you have to watch either Negan beating Abraham and Glenn's faces in, or you have to watch um, these people in Terminus getting their head hit and their throat slit, I would watch the Negan scene. Because that scene, first of all, with movies and TV shows, whenever they're like showing someone about to get their throat slashed, I have to look away. But that scene is so gruesome. Like it's so gruesome, just them. And it's like cold and they're all shaking and they're sitting there and it's like so quick. And it's like a lineup, right? Like at least with the Negan thing, it's like, yes, it's terrifying the eeny, meeny, miny, mo, but it's like, once he gets someone, it's like, okay, he said he was only going to kill one person. Right. But with like the the Terminus scene, it's like, you're next. (laughs) Like you're in a line and that's what happened. You know, and that's, like, so terrifying, and it's terrifying when they're, like, walking through, and they're just seeing all these, like, dead carcasses, like, hanging, and I like Rick says something where he's, like, these people aren't people, they're not human, um, and it's just, like, oh, God. I think, like, also in the comparison of those scenes that if someone would have a moment to cry and beg and, like, kind of like haggle with Negan, that's not really possible with Gareth and his group. Like, they're so quick, like, nah, we've heard it all, okay, kill him. You know what I mean? Like, there's not much, like, sympathy or empathy to allow someone a chance to beg, if that makes sense. Right, Negan would be a little slower where he'd, like, at least entertain it, but gareth doesn't there is at some point where once they're in that lineup and they see um like the first two or three people get their throat slit gareth come because at that point gareth isn't in the room right and then gareth comes in and he's like pretty much like doing a checklist and bob is like you know trying to say something and he like you know gareth reaches and he takes you know the thing off of his mouth and he's like what and bob's like you don't have to do this like there's we could still go back you know and gareth's like can't go back he goes can't go back bob he was like can't go back you know oh that's such an iconic scene though so iconic where he's like can't go back bob and it's like oh now like i didn't appreciate bob when i actually watched the walking dead but like now that i talk about i appreciate bob because it's like he was the eternal optimist always trying to like at least bring the humanity back um i will say we we talked about this on our top 10 walking dead moments but i have to mention these two iconic scenes with gareth um one being when 
when he asks Rick, like, hey, did you, you know, hide some weapons out? Like, we're going to find them. You might as well tell us. And Rick is, like, naming off all the thing, and he's like, oh, and the axe with the red handle, that's the one I'm going to use to kill you with. And then I... That one moment of Rick was actually badass. And then I just love when... Which, again, this is another gruesome scene. Bob waking up to his leg getting eaten, but him saying, like, I'm tainted meat. <laughs> I that part was, like, messed up, but I love it. This is why I'm sad that The Walking Dead's doing so bad right now, because even I was, like, watching a streamer, and in the game he was playing, you have to get, like, a good rating, and I said, hey, at least you're getting better ratings than The Walking Dead. <laughs> Uh, I swear, I could spend so much time talking about, like, Terminus and Gareth because I feel, Brittany, I feel the same way about Terminus as I felt about Demon Dean on Supernatural. Like, I know, you suck and use potential. Yes, it's like you, you, you work towards it, right? You tease us. Like, Terminus... For the entire fourth season, practically, they were teasing getting to Terminus, and then you give it to us, and it's so crazy, and it's like two episodes. Are you kidding me? Like, no disrespect to Negan, but we had a whole entire season, pretty much, of Negan being a terrifying ass. We've had the whole fucking show. Before he kind of had his, like, redemption arc, it's like, we had, like, a solid season of, like, Negan being, like, the legit villain, right? And it's like, you only give give us two episodes of Terminus? Like, were you afraid? Were you afraid of the cannibals? Like, what? (laughs) They're like, this is taking a lot. Like, I wonder if they were thinking, like, that at some point, not that they'd get in trouble for it, but they people would be like, "This is just like, like, like gore porn." At that point, I guess, I guess maybe that's what it was. But I still was just like, "Ugh, so mad!" And it's the same thing with Demon Dean. You give us three episodes. Jensen Ackles did it was beautiful, and we get three episodes. Laughing <laughs> because uh, speaking of that. Uh, at the at the wedding, there was somebody that I said, uh, "Oh, that's Crowley," you know, the cat, and they're like, "Huh?" Oh. And I said, "You know, like supernatural." They're like, "Oh my god, that's what I was thinking." But I thought there was no way, no way anybody else watched Supernatural at this point. And I'm like, "I got you, bro. I got you." Can I tell you really quick, so off topic, um, how I pulled my supernatural knowledge out of my ass the other day. So. Oh, no. um, So, uh, uh, The Boys by Amazon Prime just wrapped up. I will try not to do too many spoilers here. It's amazing. Season 2 is great. The finale was fucking epic, right? There's a character in the second season who his name is Alistair. And he's, like, the leader of this, like, organization. He's very, like, suave. And he's very, like, you know businessy but also like you could tell that something like very sadistic is underlying and so Joan and I every week did a review show of every episode that came out 
and he's talking about the character Alistair, and he's like, you know, Alistair seems like, you know, he has all these good intentions, but I feel like there's something underlying there. And I was like, well, you know, I was like, Alistair is really a demon in the Bible. I was like, so I don't find it coincidental that they named this character who's supposed to be, like, the head of, like, this Church of the Collective, which essentially was, like, Scientology. I was like, and they name him Alistair, and he's all, like, you know, with, like, the dark beard and everything. And it's like, really? I was sitting there, and it's like, yeah, bringing out, like, this, like, religious knowledge, but, like, in reality, it was all sparked by supernatural. <laughs> like, like cheek to cheek, bitches. Cheek to cheek. Oh man, I, that, that's why the other day I brought up Alistair from Supernatural to you because I was like, the fact that they had a character in the boys called Alistair, and he was very like he he fit within like what Alistair was in Supernatural. Dang, you make me want to rewatch Supernatural. Uh, this is not. This is not. Uh, this is not what I needed today, Tia. I only have so much. I only have so many hours in a day. I mean, we're all supposed to be in quarantine and lockdown still. It's the perfect time to watch shit. It's the but time. Uh, yeah, but my whole point there is that um, my my Alistair knowledge came into the clutch because of Supernatural. Damn you, Supernatural! Yeah, it is supernatural. But um, great job putting Gareth down on this list. He is certainly a very, very gruesome character. Um, I'm going to hit number three, and this is a character that you would expect to be on a list like this, and it is Freddy Krueger. Um, now, out of all of the, like, you know, monsters in like the horror movie genre that you know really was created in the 80s right you have michael myers you have jason Voorhees, and you have freddy krueger um i love freddy krueger the most out of all of them i love the nightmare on elm street franchise except for the 2010 remake which i mentioned in my top five last week of bad (laughs) horror movies um but Freddy Krueger, played by Robert England, is just, like, fucking great. All right, I'm going to use a lot of Fs right now because I just love this character. I don't know what got me into this character because, like, uh, Freddy vs. Jason came out when I was, say, 13, and I think that was the first time I watched it, so I, like, watched it backwards, essentially, um, because Freddy vs. Jason, you know, was supposed to be the accumulation of all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Anyway... It's like, what was a 13-year-old doing? Mom, Dad, like, where were you guys? Like, what were you doing? You lived in a very small apartment. (laughs) How was I able to watch this? Um, But, um, yeah, Freddy Krueger is a gruesome character, albeit comical at times, right? We talk about campy horror movies, and Freddy definitely, especially some of the sequels went in the way of being campy, but I felt with Freddy, I felt like it kind of was okay because you have Michael Myers and you have Jason Voorhees and they're supposed to be like this very stoic, you know, characters, they're nonverbal, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they're just thrown into like weird situations like Jason X and fucking space or them in Manhattan, you know, it makes no sense. But um, Freddy Krueger, even in the first movie was playful. 
You know, he's always like, you know, in the first movie, there's at some point where he's talking on the phone to the character Nancy and his like tongue comes out of the phone. He's like, hello, Nancy, you know, and he's just like, or he's like saying like, you know, he's like cutting off his fingers and he's like, this is God, you know, but Ooh, he's so, so gruesome. I need to watching this. I need to have a talk with your mother. <laughs> Um, you know, at some point he literally in the first Nightmare on Elm Street like sucks Johnny Depp into the freaking bed and blood like fucking splashes everywhere. Um, just his gruesome way of killing people, just you know, you could imagine he was the character who literally has a like wears a glove with these like insanely long sharp claws he's always you know clawing people to death sticking it into someone but it's not even like you think that that's like okay that how that's how he kills but the way he kills is so gruesome in so many of these movies because not only does he have these claws but his real power is the fact that he manipulates the space around people right because the whole thing is that you can't get killed by freddy unless you're dead and I, not that you're dead, unless you're unless you're asleep, right? And once you're asleep, he controls like the, the environment. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry, my throat's like getting all like. But you know, you have to be asleep, and he manipulates the time around you, so the space around you. So, like, let me just like name off some of the few things, right? He literally sticks one girl's head through a fucking TV to kill her. Um, he literally forces one girl to slash her own wrist. Um, another kid has a hearing aid that he pretty much like implodes in the kid's ear. Um, oh, another one, girl who's a drug addict, he literally like, you know, he has this scene where he's like, let's get high. And he like shows his hands and they're all syringes and he just like injects, oh, injects her. So she overdoses to death. Um, Freaking he, this one person he makes sleepwalk off of a building. And to me, that's one of the most gruesome because even though in like, say real life, people are seeing just someone like sleepwalking off of a building in the dream world, he's like using strings, but the strings are literally like veins coming out of the person. So it's like so gruesome. Uh, No, thank you. So it's like, you know, he always gets very creative, I shall say, with his uh, his means of killing people. And he does that even in Freddy versus Jason. He, you know, pulls freaking uh, Kelly Rowland's nose off and shit. Like, so to me, it's like he's so gruesome. And when I first watched Freddy versus Jason, which, you know, came out in 2003. So obviously, like, the graphics aren't as good as, say, they are now. But they certainly were better than what they had the ability to do in the 80s when the first Nightmare on Elm Street came out. So, like, one of the first things that you see in Freddy vs. Jason is this little girl, like, panting, scared. And when she turns around, her fucking eyes are, like, clawed out. So it's like, he's a gruesome character. And what makes it even more horrifying is his humor, because he's very humorous, and he toys with you. What an absolute asshole. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, more humorous. Like, like, for me, being so scared of scary movies and having trouble watching them, 
at least like when we watched like Freddy Krueger, I was like, okay, at least like the humor almost make like takes the edge off. And I think you're right. We have too many like quiet, foreboding characters. I think they really did need someone that was more talkative and more playful. Because then you just recycle same character just with a different backstory. Yeah, and I just think that, like, his backstory also was a lot more interesting. And that's something that, like I said, in the two, like, against the 2010 remake is that they completely took that backstory away. And the backstory of Freddy the backstory of Freddy Krueger is, like, he was killing even when he was alive, right? Because the whole thing is, like, he's dead, you know? And he was killing when he was alive. He's killing all these children. His wife finds his, like, claws and variations of the claws in the basement, which is the place that Freddy always told him told her not to go. Um, as a result, he kills his wife. His daughter sees him kill his wife. Um, and he's like, oh, you're not going to tell anyone, right? You're daddy's little girl. But the daughter does tell the authorities. They arrest Freddy Krueger. But because something happened with, like, the signature on the warrant, they had to let him go. And he worked at, like, a factory in a boiler room, which is why his dream space is a boiler room, right? He was there because he couldn't go back home. The parents of the neighborhood, infuriated with the injustice, literally sent Molotov cocktails into the factory, which is why he's all burnt to shit. He makes a deal with the devil. The devil says, like, I'll keep you alive, and you know, as long as you pretty much give me souls. And that's why he kills the children of all the people who killed him. So it's a pretty decent backstory, I feel like. <laughs> And he's like, how dare you? Now I must kill more of your children because you killed me. And it's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and we, we didn't say it had to make sense. Um, and I also thought that it was cool that um, in the fifth Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you, you get to see the daughter all grown up, um, which it's like you had never seen that before. You knew he had a daughter. Um, and then she's all grown up, so it's her having to face against uh, Freddy. And there was another movie that was a very meta movie called Freddy's Nightmare, and it was literally Robert England playing himself, you know, as Freddy Krueger, getting haunted by Freddy, the real Freddy Krueger. He's like, you're just a character that I play. It's like, nope, <laughs> I'm real. <laughs> so funny i i like when they kind of like i know they may have made, tried to make it a little more serious but laughing at themselves type thing i just love freddy krueger i think that he is to me like the best character in that whole genre of again like you know, Jigsaw, Jason, Michael, Leatherface, uh, Candyman, the Leprechaun, whatever. Like, to me, I just think Freddy's the best. But it's, like, so hard because really no one can play him, right? Like, you know, anyone can play Michael. Anyone can play Jason. Um, we saw them try to get someone to play Freddy in the 2010 version. It was fucking awful. And, like, Robert England is, is old now. And he said, you know, that he could possibly have within him to play one more. He's like, but if you're wanting to do a franchise, you're going to have to get someone else. He's like, I'm too old at this point. He's like, I can play him one more time. 
but I can't do it after that. And it's like, damn, are we ever going to get another Nightmare on Elm Street? I know. Wasn't that uh, the actor also in, uh, like, the fantasy show? He, he, he was in an episode of Supernatural, just saying. Oh, I know he's in Supernatural. Oh, wait, I maybe I'm thinking of Michael Eklund that was a character that played, like, Frankenstein or something. But, yeah, I, I, he was in Supernatural. Michael Eklund has been um, in a lot of things. Like, if you look at his filmography, he has been in a ton of shit. And he's been in, like, Gotham. I'm pretty sure he has, yes, been in Supernatural. He was in Bates Motel. Like, his filmography is very, very long. And I feel like that's kind of the beauty of being, say, like, not so much of, like, and this is no disrespect to Michael Eklund, because I think he is a really great character actor. But like, say, not being, like, a quote-unquote Leonardo DiCaprio, right? It gives you the freedom to, like, be in a million fucking projects if you're, say, like, the side character. Oh, yeah, like, um, I know this, like, on a different note, too, but I think he plays such, like, a variety of things that are, like, very different. Like, Bobo's nothing like, say, <sighs> trying to think of another character he played, like the serial killer dude he played. Poker Night? That was crazy, that one. That, that was, was sick. Terrifying. That one was pretty sick. <laughs> that was very terrifying. Um, no, but I do love his character, Bobo and Winona Earp. Like, I'm telling you, I I fell off of that. Not intentionally, I just never got a chance to, like, rewatch it. Um I know he was in the third season, but I don't think he's in the fourth. And I'm like, that's so sad to know. He was the best part. I was like, so that I think is what's stopping me from like watching it because I feel like they killed the character off. And I'm just like, I really like his character. I got used to his character. (laughs) I would take him over Doc any day. That's saying a lot because I think Doc is pretty cool. I know, but Bobo was cooler. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's move on. We are down to the number two, which is your number one pick, so, you know, don't let us down. <laughs> I try not to do it every time because I do meme a lot with it, but to me, he is pretty freaking gruesome. And and it's not just about his personality this time. I'm actually talking about actually how gruesome he is. I'm going to go with Hannibal Lecter, and none of us were surprised. And literally <laughs> no one was surprised. But- Can I tell you really quick, really quick before you go, I had considered putting the TV version of Hannibal and being like, well, Brittany, like, you know, you could do the movie, I could do the TV version. You're dead to me. No, I'm just joking. You can still put the TV show because he is pretty freaking gruesome in it. Wait, can you hear me? Yeah, I was yawning. I was I was letting you talk, girl. No, you're good. Sorry, my phone, I thought, cut out for a second because it was acting weird. So, but on the note, Hannibal. The reason why is because, one, first off, when you first meet him, like, uh, it is said that, like, there was a nurse, and I think he wasn't, like, restrained properly, and he, like, ate her face off, basically. 
like uh like that she was like she lived but she's like permanently like deformed from it and there's a part where uh i'm trying to remember the dude's name i think i think it was like i almost want to say it was like midge but that uh he um he ends up like you know coming in his hand and like throwing it on uh sterling's face and i know that's graphic but just to explain how awful that scene is and hannibal is so freaking uh like upset by it because he finds it so crude and that's his whole thing is that he's like uh I'm so a gentleman, I was a doctor, you know, I would never do something like that. And that's why when he screams, not yell, like, he just, like, screams for Sterling to come back. And she does, and he's saying, you know, I would have never done something like that. And she's like, then help me. And he's like, I won't, but, you know, I will give you this, right? Well, on around the next visit she gets, um, it said that Hannibal uh, convinced Midge to swallow his tongue because he was basically talking to him all night, every night, you know, just putting these things in his head. And it was like, okay, he's scary enough he can kill a dude without even, like, touching him. He basically talked the guy into suicide. And, uh, and I was like, okay, that's pretty freaking horrific. Well... Then you have when he's in basically his gilded cage. I'm trying to think. Uh, I think it was in a museum that they ended up putting him. I'm trying to remember what building they actually put him in because my memory isn't as fresh on it because I'm always so invested in just the scenes with uh, Clarice and uh, and Hannibal. But there's the part where he ends up getting, like I think, like a pin uh, like a little metal piece of a pen, and he tucks it into his mouth. And whenever they come to feed him, he wants lamb, I think. I think it was lamb, because it was, like, the theme. And he wanted it basically rare. He wanted it raw. And he's handcuffed to the side of the 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 prison, the cell, basically. And he ends up letting himself go. And uh, he kills one dude pretty freaking horrific and there's one that's like still alive but like obviously you know hurt and i think uh, hannibal ends up biting on the other dude's face but he ends up killing one and you hear one groaning and he's like basically he's got the blood on his mouth and i think you'll remember the scene where like he has his arms to the side and he's just kind of listening to the music because i think he had the music playing as he was doing this I'm like, okay, that's gruesome. Well, Hannibal ends up escaping, and you think, oh, man, you know, there's a dude still alive at least, but his face is completely messed up, and you go, man, they really had a time together, him and Hannibal. No, Hannibal cut the dude's face off, right? Covered his own face with that guy's face, pretended to be the officer, like, being severely hurt so he could be transferred by the ambulance, but then decoyed the dude's body into an elevator so that they think th- would think that he was there and hurt. I think he ended up, like, firing off one of their guns, too, so it would sound like, oh, you know, obviously Hannibal is hurt somewhere. You know, he's still in the building. And I know I'm going on. It's just, like, the fact that it's, like, Hannibal is such, a, like, an upper-class kind of personality 
and can definitely turn into an animal when need be. And definitely, he in the show. In the show, he's a little more clean with it, but in the movies, he's not delicate in the way that he often kills people. That's why he has to wear like the mask on his mouth to make sure he doesn't, you know, hurt someone. But uh, there's also a part in one of the other movies where he does like uses that dude's head as, like, a serving dish. I think you may remember that, where he's still alive because, you know, you can take off the top of someone's head and still live, and he's just slicing off, like, pieces of brain and, like, going to feed it to Clarice. And I'm just like, yeah, that's pretty gruesome, Tia. That's that's about as gruesome as it gets. Yeah, I almost forgot about that scene, and now that I remember, I want to uh, die. But, yeah, Hannibal Lecter. I mean, guys, one day we're just going to have to have a podcast where uh, Brittany can just do the top ten Hannibal Lecter moments. And I'm not going to say a thing. I'm just going to let her go for ten slots because we all know she won't it. Um, But he's a very gruesome character. As I said when we were talking about Gareth and Termis, I think that there really is nothing scarier than a cannibal. Um, That's horrifying to me. And it's horrifying that you have someone like Hannibal Lecter who's not only a cannibal, but also a very intelligent human being. And he is a very gruesome character. Uh, And I think in all uh, aspects, right? In, not only in the first movie and the sequel that happened afterwards and the show. Um, I think I, it's been a while since I've seen Silence of the Lambs and I never saw the sequel, obviously. Um, but I you know, obviously do remember her being him quite gruesome. I remember the scene that you're talking about where he wore the dude's face and it was like, oof, God. Um, but I did watch the first and second half of the second season of Hannibal and that was very gruesome (laughs) like the way that he killed people was very 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 gruesome um so yeah no definitely I think that Hannibal deserves to be on this list uh when Brittany suggested this list she followed it with uh let's do the most gruesome characters like I could do Hannibal obviously (laughs) in the TV show that you want to like it makes you hungry when he cooks the That was the one thing that I think I remember us watching the show, Paulie and I, and he was just like, this is so unrealistic. <laughs> like, the fact that he, like, because his whole thing was always that, like, he always had to cook his own meals. Like, he never ate out or anything. Like, even if they went to, like, a restaurant, he's, like, pulling out his own, like, food. And I was like, do you have to be so weird? Like, yeah, they like, definitely have to consume. I'm pretty sure, unless he's just, like, addicted to it, but I'm, like, I I feel like in, uh, because obviously when Hannibal's in prison and, uh, in the movies, he's not eating people. Well, and I was gonna say the movies more so make it seem like he eats them more as a, like, 
revenge tactic and as you said when someone like truly offends him and in the show they more so may seem like as if that is a part of his like everyday like you know um diet right so it's like they definitely did it a little differently in the show and i think they obviously wanted to like touch upon say the horror aspect of it but i did feel it like really unrealistic i was just like dude you eat someone like every day like that's not good for you like your body can't like physically handle that so i felt like (laughs) yeah yeah you know so it's like like there's that one point i remember um where what's his name chilton comes over and chilton's like a vegetarian and like he's just like oh, I never eat, like, you know, he's like, I never make, like, a vegetarian meal. Like, you should know that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, he was so angry at the fact that, like, he couldn't eat, like, humans, you know. So very different. So I do like Anthony Hopkins' version of Hannibal and where they have it, like, how they have him consume humans, which sounds, like, wrong, but it's more of a not – not where it's like an everyday diet, but it's more of a like you've offended me so much, and like the worst thing I can do is like treat you as if you're not human. No, like I don't know. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm obsessed. <laughs> it's okay. I don't judge you. Maybe a little. Something <laughs> at this point where it's like. Shoehorn Hannibal in somewhere, it's gonna happen. I may not yeah. always do it, but just know, just no, know. Yeah, like, should, you could do best best forbidden love in a show. Oh, we should do that. We should yeah, do and you, you Hannibal and Clarice, or if I did one where it was like a uh, top ten um, best. Uh, music musical performer. She'd be like Hannibal, obviously. He's musical. Well, I mean, the soundtrack's amazing. <laughs> You'll find anyway. But I, you know, I don't judge you. It is a fantastic movie. It's uh, to me, I think, uh, one of Anthony Hopkins' best performance ever, and that's saying a lot considering that's a very, very, very talented man. By the way, um, you know how it's like. We're so used to seeing Anthony Hopkins, like, old. Like, to me, he's like Morgan Freeman. It it feels as if, like, yes. he was never young, right? <laughs> um, and the other day, not not maybe the other day, a few weeks ago, Paul, like, Paulie ends up watching these, like, movies on YouTube where it's, like, they're on there for free because, obviously, like, no one watches them. And he watched and it was like this very old war movie. And there was Anthony Hopkins as a young person. It was like from the seventies or something. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, wait, Anthony Hopkins who like without any white or gray hair. What? (laughs) I I need to see that. I was going to say, I think honestly too, uh, it's uh, Anthony Hopkins had, uh, coming to the U.S., I think that at some point, I think he wasn't getting, like, as many roles as he would like, or he wasn't getting as much, like, exposed. I can't remember what it was, but I think he was actually about to go home. I think he was about to go back to England, and I think he was about to be done with it when he got the opportunity to do uh, 
um, Silence of the Lambs because I think he was about to go home and then it like like re jump started his career. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his filmography, I don't think he necessarily was in anything beforehand that would have made him, say, like an established actor, like a well-known household name. I feel that, like, Silence of the Lambs is what did it. And it's crazy because, as you said, isn't he only in it for, like, 15 minutes of the movie? Um, And it's like he won a war. Do you hear that, Jeremy Renner? It doesn't matter that your Hawkeye was only in Avengers for about 15 minutes. It's what you do with those 15 minutes, which apparently was shit. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) What did you say? I said he's supposed to be the only Avenger without a movie because Thor had his own. Black Widow's getting her own, even though I'll be at late. Uh, Hawkeye is going to be literally the only one without, like, a full feature movie, I think. He's getting a show, but the show is literally going to be his character passing the torch to uh, Kate Bishop. So, yeah. Listen, don't bother me. You know how I feel. But um, we are down to the last slot in our top ten most gruesome characters in movies and TV shows. Let's go through the list before we hit number one. We have at number ten, Michael Myers. Number nine, George Foyette. At eight, Negan. Seven, Perry Wright. Six, Buffalo Bill. Five, Nurse Ratched. Four, Gareth. Three, Freddy Krueger. Two, Hannibal. And one, I feel, is a very gruesome character. And again, goes into that whole human thing. Um, And I have to pick Ramsay from Game of Thrones because there was no more horrifying of a villain than Ramsay in HBO's Game of Thrones. Um. And I was inspired to say this because, Brittany, you you watched the trailer for the season three of American Gods, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you caught it, but he's in that trailer, and he plays, like, a leprechaun, and his whole thing is that he's supposed to be the good-natured leprechaun. I don't trust this guy being a good-natured anything after Ramsay. So... You know, you have Ramsey in Game of Thrones. Like, let's go through a small list of what this man has done in Game of Thrones. Not only did he torture Theon um, psychologically and physically, he castrated Theon. Um, His whole thing is that his house, the Boltons, their symbol is the flayed man. And he literally made an art form of skinning people alive and putting them up on X's and upside down and burning them. And there's at some point where um, Sansa, because, okay, so then he's given Sansa as a wife um, by Littlefinger. And he, you know, it's not a marriage, obviously, Sansa wants to be in. And he rapes Sansa. And makes Theon watch, which, by the way, Theon and Sansa grew up together. So, And I always feel like Theon had a little bit of, like, a crush maybe on Sansa. Um, at least he just felt very, like, attached to her. So he forces Theon to watch this. At some point, Sansa escapes with the help of this older woman 
And literally, uh, Ramsey, you find out, filleted that woman. And he says that she was alive while I did it, and she lasted quite a bit into it, um, which is so, so, so horrifying. Um, he literally, um, he when you first meet Ramsey, he has these two women as, like, I guess his, like, women, right? And at some point, uh, him and one of the girls get bored of the other girl, and he literally, like, has a hunt with the girl and wounds her with an arrow and has his dog sicked on her. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. The other one got jealous. It was fun for a while, but, you know, she's jealous now, so I can't. And, you know, literally, like, has her eaten alive by dogs and freaking in the battle of the bastard he forces um john and sansa's youngest brother rickon to run towards them and it's all a game because ramsey just like shoots an arrow through the kid's like fucking chest so ramsey is a like just the fact that like he castrated Theon, and his whole thing was, like, literally skinning people alive and setting them on fire. He was, like, no one could beat Ramsay, like, in gruesomeness, right? Like, Game of Thrones, it's like, no one, no matter who their villain was, I'm like, I feel that after Ramsay, the bar was set way too high. Um Albeit Ramsey got his at the end because Sansa sicked the dogs on Ramsey, but it's he was perfect. Yeah, it's perfect because he Sansa was like, "Well, you say you starve your dogs, so they're always hungry. Well, how loyal are starving dogs going to be to you?" Um. So, but yeah, Ramsey is a gruesome fucking character, and yeah, that's who I'm picking. I think like. The scariest thing for me is, like, whenever I was talking out about how bad he was, you know, and I'm, like, trying to play catch-up, watch clips, you know, basically to catch up to the final season, which wasn't great. Um, but <laughs> with Ramsey, what got me is that he's so, when you see him in the scenes where he's talking to other people, he's, there's something off about him, but you're almost lulled into a false sense of security if you didn't have the others. So when he does the rest, he's almost, like, jovial about it. Like, very, like, oh, we're having a good time, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're like, that's pretty messed up. You know, yes. then he kills his uh, pregnant stepmother and, you know, yes. with his half-brother because he didn't want to be, you know, upthrown because it would be, like, a legitimate child then. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yes, he literally um, killed him. And then at some point, the girl who is like, you know, I I don't know if you want to call her his, like, girlfriend, his, like, confidant, you know. Um, at some point, she gets killed. And his, like, minions ask him, like, oh, would you like us to, like, perform a funeral? And he's like, why waste good meat? Give it to the dogs. Like, and it's like, that's like, yeah, it's so messed up. But you're right. He is like almost like jovial about it, you know, because when you first meet him is when Theon is like captured and he's like, I'll help you, my lord. Come with me. You know, and he, he does like escape like 
Theon, right? And only to bring him back. And he's, like, laughing. Like, ha, 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 ha. Like, look, he thought you were going to get away. Um, And he's like, no, you know what? Huh? It's like, you thought wrong. And um, the thing is, like, oh, God, what was the other thing about Ramsey that was so, like, sick and twisted? Oh, Ramsey like, tortures Theon to the point where Theon is no longer Theon at some point. He literally names him Reek, and Theon's like, my name's not Theon, it's Reek. And at some point, Theon's sister comes to rescue him, and Theon is so, like, uh, you know, brainwashed by Ramsay that he stays in his cage and he's like, I'm not Theon, I'm Reek, I'm Reek, go away. Like, you know, like Master will come back. So sad. And like Ramsay is just so manipulative. Like there's at some point where, yeah, no, he was just, I don't know where I'm going with that, but like Ramsay is just a sick mother effer, but you're right. Yeah, no, he, He's so jovial in some things, especially then when he, like, meets his stepmother and new new baby brother. And he's like, you can see the look on his face where he's just like, what is this? Because <laughs> which is crazy that the guy didn't end up having, like, a legitimate son sooner. But, or, like, any other children since, like, you know, he raped a peasant lady and then, like, had a son. But it seems like, you know, you would think, like, oh, yeah, the dude's definitely fertile. He could have had, you know, a child at any point. But I guess not. Yeah, I'm not sure, like, what the whole thing with that was. You are right, because it's like, you know, Ramsey, quote-unquote, like, you know, this is just in the context of the show, was, like, his bastard, right? Um, But... Yeah, no, it was just so crazy. Like, Ramsey was just so sick, like, such a sick character. You never knew, like, where he was at, like, mentally. And as I said, like, he had killed so many people during his run in Game of Thrones, had, like, flayed so many people. It's like, oh, God, it's so gruesome because they, like, they wouldn't, like, necessarily show him doing it, but they show, like, the aftermath. And it's like, oh, God, you can just, like, he always did it to someone while they were alive. So it's like you're sitting there going, oh, my God, that's so horrible. Yeah. He was a bad man of the <laughs> He was a bad person. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't trust that actor in being in a good uh, role. I'm like, nah, he's a villain. <laughs> Oh, but not for nothing, Ramsey has one of, like, the best lines in the entire effing show. Um, He says, uh, if you thought this story had a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. And I'm just like, I always... And I always thought that that was, like, supposed to be a foreshadowing of, like, the, the actual show. And it's like, yeah, I get that. I just didn't know that the ending would be crap. Like, I thought it would be, like, you know, I thought it would be people dying and, you know, wouldn't be happy. But I didn't think you meant, like, it would be crap. <laughs> yeah, that is the thing. Like, if you were 
we're starting to get towards the end, so we had to change it up. But I'm like, not this way, though. It's like it's like a kid at the end of an essay going, and then they were all abducted by aliens, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> okay, there's a thing, like, um, my professor for history said that, like, oh, so you have a journal, right? And it had to be historically accurate, and we'd write these journals, and he said, uh, you know, he said, though some people would forget and in the middle of them go like, oh, then they pulled out their cell phone and called someone, right? And like, and he's like, you can't do that. He said, but sometimes he goes, some people didn't know what to do with their journals and then would write like, but hell, you didn't talk to everyone at the end. And you're like, wait a second, you can't just throw in a twist ending just because it's not going to be, because people don't see it coming. No, the whole thing about the end of Game of Thrones was so stupid, you know, like, and I I watched the entire, like, show, right? I binged that show, and I still think, and, like, some people dislike season seven. I actually really like season seven, so it's like, I still think it gave us, like, seven incredibly solid seasons, right? Like, you can't take that away from the show. Like, I know that people are like, oh, now it's, like, just a crap show. It's like, you can't take that away, you know? The the last season sucked. Um, it really did. But it still was a great freaking series. But, um... The whole thing... <laughs> you remember in season eight, the character Euron? Yes. Um, you know, in the book, apparently, he's, like, really bad. Like, really bad. Like, even worse than Ramsay. So when they introduced Euron, people are like, oh, my God, like, this is the new Ramsay. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, he did nothing in oh, that show God. to even compare to Ramsay or Joffrey. I haven't really heard anything about Euron except him killing the dragon. Yeah, that's what he, he was like, it's like, um, he acted as if, like, he was a Jack Sparrow, like a drunken pirate, and apparently, like, the actor was very taken back by that, because he had read the character in the book, and he was like, oh, he's like, when I got cast, he was like, I was super excited, because it's like, oh, you know, here's this really great character, blah, 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 when I got to set, they're like, okay, this is how we want you to act. And it's like, but that's not all what this character is. Yeah, it's like, I, I've done all this character work, like the research for it, and then you're going to give me this? Yeah, it was crap. But yeah, Ramsey definitely, to me, deserves a spot on this list. Brittany, do you concur? I concur. Uh, so before we wrap everything up, Brittany, did you have any honorable mentions that we got to put out there? I think I was going to put, like, It and Saw for, like, gruesome movies. Very fair. Very fair. I think that people would probably have wanted that on this, but, you know, suck it. Um, I think for gruesome, I think for gruesome, all the walkers on Walking Dead would oh, definitely deserve they're gruesome they're gruesome as hell um freaking um this isn't like one specific character but if you ever watch the horror movie midsummer um every character is a gruesome character like the deaths in that movie are so gruesome and like they're just there in front of you and you're like oh my god 
oh my god <laughs> like what you're like oh no that kills people God, Midsummer is definitely like Kanan hates it, and I can't say that if I like it or not, but it is certainly one of like the um, most creative horror movies I've ever seen because it's so bright. You know, horror movies are all dark and they're all like sadistic, and they all have this like you know, it's like you could tell it's a horror movie, and this it's like oh, flowers, summer, blah blah blah, and oh look, someone just got their head bashed in. Um, so yeah, it, Midsummer's quite crazy i also had um william lewis from svu he's perfect and i did have the brother on nurse ratchet just because the way he had killed those priests in the opening scene of the show ratchet was really horrific and that's something that sean ventura and i mentioned in our review of ratchet so make sure you check that out but Brittany. Um, before I let you go, please let everyone know where they can find you, what you're doing next, and all that good stuff. So you can find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit. I've been playing a lot of scary games, a lot of ones that have me just screeching. Uh, Aaron said he'll be, like, halfway asleep and hear a blood-curdling scream and be like, okay, she's all right, I hope. Um, (laughs) So so that's been a really good time. Um, There's one game, it's called uh, The Beasts Inside, and Every time I just have to, like, mentally prepare myself. But, yeah, you can find me there or uh, Twitter at IttyBittyBritZero. Uh, that's where I normally update my schedule, any changes, pictures of seven cats that I have in my house right now get posted there. But, um, but yeah, it's a good time. Hopefully, uh, we'll get myself a costume for, uh, for a Halloween stream. But besides that, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Um, Yes, please make sure that you check all that good stuff out. Um, As for me, uh, Joanna and I did just recently do, as I said, a review on the season finale of The Boys Season 2, which was absolutely magnificent. Um, Gosh, what is that? Remember in Avengers Infinity War, right? When you first think Gamora kills Thanos and the collector's like, magnificent, magnificent. And it's like, that's how, that's how I felt about the finale of The Boys Season 2. So please make sure you check that out. Um, as I kept mentioning, the review of Netflix's Ratchet that I did with Sean Ventura. And I did a tea time with Tia for the Season 3 trailer for American Gods. Please make sure you check that out as well. You can also check us out at geekfivesnation.com. We have articles on the latest news. We have opinion pieces. We have movie and TV show reviews. We have plenty of interviews. Um, we are covering New York comic-con as best we can because it is a virtual one this year so please make sure you check that out as well and you can check me out on my social media platforms tfab on twitter and instagram Brittany, it's been amazing doing another top 10 with you and i hope that uh we get to do it again next week see you guys bye guys